Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Man, isn't it just fun to be in church? I mean, that is, uh, that is definitely our heart. We hope you love being here. We love seeing you. Uh, I tell you what, we have had a great last couple of weeks with At The Movies. Put your hands together if you enjoyed At The Movies this year. Was that awesome? And I want to thank you, uh, kind of, one, it's just a privilege to, to serve you guys and do that. And I want to thank you, all of you, for bringing your friends, your neighbors to that. Um, man, we, we hosted uh, more people than ever uh, over the last month and just very grateful for that. Thank you for trusting us with your friends and your neighbors and uh, I just will let you know we've started some conversations, and last Sunday night, actually, to finish off the series, when it was 40 degrees outside, we had five baptisms Sunday night. Isn't that awesome? Can you just celebrate Jesus for that? It was a beautiful night, man, and we just love it, and uh, love doing this. We love that we're kicking off the Christmas season, and really, one of the greatest promises that we celebrate every Christmas, it began as a prophecy about 700 years, actually over 700 years uh, from before Jesus was born. And uh, it's found in a few different places in our Bibles, in the Old Testament and the New. I want to show it to you in Matthew's account, in his document in the New Testament. Here's the prophecy. It says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And here's the key part. And they will call him Emmanuel, which Matthew reminds us that that means God with us. See, at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came to be God with us. And what's so crazy about this prophecy is how different that is from what God had been saying from the beginning of time. It's true that God has said from, from the beginning that I will be with you. That's something you see over and over in Scripture, which I think is crazy to consider that God, from the beginning, his heart has always been to be involved in my life and in your life. He wants to be with us. But it's one thing for God to say, I will be with you. And it's a completely different experience for you and for me to have this personal undeniable moment where we say, whoa, God is with me. God sees me. God knows me. God isn't just a God who will be with us, but God is with me. And that's what's so powerful about Christmas, that God is with us. That's what's so powerful about what God came to declare with Jesus when he sent him. And, and I, I just love that that's the promise that we get to lean into, that, that you and I, in fact, that's our prayer for you, that you would have a personal, undeniable kind of experience where you know that you know that God is with you and he sees you and you hear his voice and you sense his presence. That's our heart for you. In fact, over the next four weeks, what we want to do is we want to really kind of lean into that idea and say, what does it mean? As we celebrate this every Christmas, what does it really mean to understand that promise that God is not just with all, but he is with me? And how do we experience all of that, God with us? Uh, you know, how do we experience all of God's 
peace and all of God's love, all of God's light. And this week specifically, we want to ask the question, how do we really experience all of God's joy with us? So I need a little help. If you would uh, raise your hands with me today, if you're here and you know that you know that on the Enneagram, you are type seven. Can you just raise your hand if that's you? Any Enneagram type sevens in the room? Man, this is, it looks like no. Okay, if the person that you know what a seven is, but they might not know, can you just raise their hand for them? Anybody know what a seven is? Can you just, do we have any? We have got to increase the fun. You think a snowball fight is fun with us? Bring some sevens. Let me tell you a little bit about Enneagram 7, because some of you assume, as soon as I describe this personality type, some of you will assume that this is joy personified, okay? Because see, a joy, a, a seven, they are just a fun seeker. Man, a, a, a Enneagram 7, they bring the party wherever they come. Enneagram 7s, they never nap. I know, it's crazy. Enneagram 7s, they only love to carpool. <laughs> Anybody. Enneagram 7s, they don't need coffee, but they are always found hanging out at coffee shops. It's really crazy. Enneagram 7s, they don't need puppies, but because they are themselves a puppy, they just want a friend. That is an Enneagram Seven, and if you don't know, in our family, we call our son the puppy. Anyway, so Enneagram Sevens, they do things like they misuse words and overuse words like bueno and teammanship and all kinds of words. Anyways, I am not a seven, but some would say I'm a seven trapped in a threes mentality. Um, it's just sevens are just kind of this always fun. Here's another one. Sevens are morning and evening people. At the same time, that is a seven. I know they're annoying, aren't they? I mean, they just, you can't stand them, but that's a seven. And for some of you, when you think about that and you think about joy, you think, man, if that's what joy is, that's not me. <laughs> if that's what joy is, that is so unrealistic. That is so unobtainable. I guess it's not for me. And that is very true for many of us when we think about joy. It just can feel a little fake. It can feel a little like something I've got to manufacture, something I've got to create. It's just so unobtainable. And if, if I'm honest with you and if you're honest with me, I, I'd say you could agree with this statement that sometimes when it comes to joy, what I experience doesn't always line up with what I expect, you know? And I, I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room. In fact, I, I just, I don't know. Is it because of just kind of the current of anxiety that we live in? Like it's not, like it, it is a, it has flooded every corner of our world, right? Or, or maybe just the pace of life that we are, we all catch ourselves in. It's just a fact, I mean, tis the season to be busy and shopping. I mean, that's what we're doing right now, right? I mean, it's just the, the, the pace. Maybe Maybe for you, the experience and the expectations don't line up just because of some external pressures that you have. Or maybe for you, the internal pressures that you cannot escape. Maybe it's because of an uncertainty of your future or maybe because of a painful past that you can't escape. Or maybe just if you're honest, man, you are just overwhelmed today. Just overwhelmed. What do we do with that? Because... What's crazy is that 
the theme of joy is not just a Christmas theme. It is actually a major theme to all of Scripture. Jesus actually, just to speak to everyone who's a Jesus follower in the room, if you're a Jesus follower, you are called to joy, to know it, to feel it, to live it. And so what do we do with that when, when we've got this, this kind of, these experiences with, that don't really line up with what we're called to or maybe what we expect or what we assume it's supposed to be like? What do we do with that? I think the answer comes really with what I said first about that expectation and experience. And I would say that when you look at scripture, what's probably where, where we kind of kind of come off the rails when it comes to joy. It has to do with our misguided expectations and often our misunderstandings when it comes to joy. In fact, I'm convinced that joy is one of the most misunderstood concepts in our culture today. Anybody agree with me? Like it's just something, it's, it's not only elusive and knowing how to experience it and knowing that you got it, but it's also just kind of, there's so many narratives Got you, Ben. There's so many narratives to why joy is what it is or what we're told it is. And and so we've got to find a way to reconcile all those things. And so what I would love to do today, I want to just take a minute and break down and bring some clarity. I want to help you to really gain clarity about what Jesus and what Scripture says about joy. I'm going to give you three insights about that. But then I want to finish with saying how. Okay, if this is what real joy is, well, how do we get there and how do we experience that kind of life. And I'll say it this way, today's going to be a little teachy heavy on the front end, but just hang with me because it will get practical and there will be something that you can actually do, not just know today. Sound good? If that's good, say bueno. There you go. That sounded like a seven to me. So buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. We're going to look at some clarity as when it comes to joy. And when I was actually kind of reading some this week, I found an article where they interviewed 100 people between the ages of 3 and 93 and asked them to define joy. And you know what happened. They got 100 different definitions, which is pretty funny. But I just want to share a few of the ones that I came, that I found, and I just want to show you this real quick. Here's, here it goes. Skip that scripture, although that was super important. Man, I should have remembered that. Here's the first one. From age five, this is what she said when she defined joy. Joy is chocolate milk in my tummy. There you go. Um, Here's age three. This one is made for Hallmark. Joy is huggles with mommy. Wow. That'll make you, anyways, uh, that'll (laughs) have different responses in the room. All right. Uh, Here's one, age 38. Joy is being a mom. She's probably a type seven, right? I mean, let's be... Realistic. Here's where some of you may uh, relate to this this one. Also age 37. Joy is my kids being in bed. Come on, anybody? (laughs) Anyway, so we'll talk about that later. Uh, But I think this is one that really is funny. It's just a real quick answer, but it is so profound. Look at this. Joy is a gift from God. It lives deep in my soul. It is unshakable. And it does not depend on life's circumstances. Now, that is not scripture. But wow, that is so insightful and so rich to unpack. And and really today, I just want to begin 
by looking at that a few things, like I said, of some insights. I want to kind of pull out an insight from this right here. Here's the first insight if you're taking notes or you want to screenshot it. Here's number one is that joy, joy is more than a feeling. Joy is more than a feeling. Isn't that crazy to think about that that's really the experience we often assume that joy is like happiness and it's connected to our circumstances but joy is not happiness is connected to what happens happiness is connected to our happenings but joy is much deeper than that because God he promises something that's longer than uh, or lasts longer than than happiness in fact I'll say it this way Joy is, while it can be a feeling, joy is so much more than a feeling because the thing about feelings is all feelings are temporary. All feelings, good and bad, fade. But what God promises, what God promises is a joy that lasts. Even better, a joy that outlasts. God promises a joy that can outlast my pain. God promises a joy that can outlast my sadness, a a joy that can outlast my sorrow, a a joy that can outlast my loneliness, a joy that can outlast my my sense of, uh, of, of loss or my sense of doubt or my sense of grief. God promises this joy, the same joy that Nehemiah discovered in our Old Testament, the same joy that a people whose whole world had been torn down, they were able to declare the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's the kind of joy that God offers you and he wants you to experience. Now you can say, the joy of the Lord is my strength even when I'm waiting. Come on, that's, that's pretty good. You're gonna have to respond as we get going. You ready? Here we go. No snowballs though, okay? The joy of the Lord, it is my strength in the face of my enemies. The joy of the Lord is my strength in the face of my worry. The joy of the Lord is my strength no matter what I face. Come on. Can you put your hands together and celebrate that if you believe that's the joy God has for you? A joy that is more than a feeling. And really, I think that kind of leads us to the second insight. What we see in Scripture, this is is crazy for me to even to even think about, but I've just got to be honest to what it teaches is this, is that joy, joy is an internal state of being. Here's what's crazy. If you'll just go kind of look up scriptures on joy, in our, especially in our New Testament, you know what you see? You're never told to feel joy, but you're told to be joyful. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, always In all ways, in all times, in every moment, be joyful. And here's the the craziest part to just kind of sit on. For this this is what God wants for you. He's not looking for anything from you. He wants this for you. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you really have, when you are really in Jesus, when you have Jesus in your life, filling you from the inside out, it's something that happens internally. It's this internal state of being. In other words, joy is not a result of what happens to me. But joy is this internal posture from which I can interpret everything that happens to me. 
Do you hear that? It's just that something different. And I'll be honest, I don't know how to create that. <laughs> Do you? But it is. Joy is about who we are. Joy is who God made us to be. Crazy. And so can I kind of preach the part of the sermon that I really didn't want to today? Because what we see in Scripture is that this is the reason why the Scripture, why God, why Jesus doesn't make sorrow an enemy of my joy. But Scripture often makes a completely different, a radically different connection between joy and sorrow. Like in Psalm 126 when it says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. In other words, the seeds of my joy are found in the tears that I sow in my sorrow. Or Psalm 30 verse 11 that says, you can change, you have Change my joy, my sadness, into a joyful dance. See, I'm tempted to want to think that God, like, he removes it. He removes sorrow and replaces it with joy. But what scripture challenges me to really wrestle with is that God may even use my sorrow and use your sorrow to lead you into an experience of joy that you cannot have otherwise. One author says it this way that, there is an experience of joy you can only find on the other side of the valley of sorrow. And that scripture, scripture does not show us a God explaining suffering. But in scripture, we see a God who shares in it where? With us. We see God who he himself has experienced the greatest loss the greatest grief, the greatest sorrow, and at the same time, he in himself is the fullest expression of joy. And that is the God who says, I have come to be with you. You've come to be with me, with me in my pain, with me in my sorrow. Don't you remember the angels, what they said? Behold, I, I come, fear not, I bring you good news of Great joy that will be for every Enneagram type. It, it'll be for all kinds of people, every personality type. If you got a southern drawl or a northern, what do they call that? I don't know. They, you, if you, whoever you are on the spectrum, wherever you are, this joy is meant for you. No matter your story. No matter what season you're in. This is what God wants for you. And this God, this God... He knows it. He lives it. He is the fullest expression of joy. He wants to be with you, even in your suffering. This is why I think this third insight, this is what really gets us to the understanding of joy. That when it comes to joy, and this is what you have to understand, when it comes to joy, a joy that is true, a joy that really is outlasting, a joy that's more than a feeling, that becomes an internal state of being, that kind of joy you can only experience, it's only the result of being with God, of being with him. In fact, I think this is crazy to just consider that joy, when I experience real joy, deep, lasting joy in my life, that's kind of a sign or an indicator to me that God is here, that God's with me, that he really has moved me 
from being so swayed by whatever I'm experiencing to being able to really live from that internal state of being. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and I know you want to push back at this. And I know I, I'm pushing back at this. And, and like, how real is this? But come on, can you just humor me and not even me? Can you humor God this morning? And can you just consider what if, what, what if this is real? What if this is the kind of joy that's real? What if, what if this, what's promised to you, what scripture declares over and over and over, that Jesus came to bring you God with you, but not just God himself, but all of his traits, all of who he is, that you could experience a real joy. If that's real, why wouldn't you do anything and everything to experience it? Why wouldn't you clear out everything else, every other agenda, every other experience or every other priority in your life to make sure, man, I'm not going to miss out on this because this is what I was made for. Beyond that, this is what your soul, it longs for, it drives you for. Man, there's something in there. You don't know how to manufacture it. You just know that it's there, right? So how? <laughs> How? If these are true, if this is really what God wants, not just one day in eternity, but on this side of heaven, if there's something God wants you to experience here today, how can you and how can I really experience that kind of joy filling our life? I really think the answer is with that third point. It ha has to do with being with God. What It's about being with God and more than just kind of giving you some kind of like surfacey answers. I want to give you two thoughts on that, how you can take a practical step. And maybe I'm not going to walk you all the way there, but maybe God will begin to speak to you as I bring up these two things. How? How can you experience joy in your life? Here's the one I want you to know. The first one is this. It's about proximity. It's about proximity. When it, <laughs> when it comes to experiencing God being with you, and when it comes to experiencing that kind of joy he's promised, it's a matter of proximity. How close are you willing to get? In fact, in James chapter 4, verse 8, there's a promise that says it this way. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I think there's lots of ways that you can do that. I think you, you and, and we talk about it all the time. It is about when we read his words found in scripture, that's a way of drawing near. It is when we really lean in in prayer or lean in in worship or come to gatherings like this in church or in your small group. And you're, those are all ways that we're choosing to draw near to God. But can I tell you what else I think is more insightful and maybe something that really God wants to invite us to do in this season right now? Because it's often for me, it's the things that keep me from God that also steal my joy. And, and when it comes to drawing near to God, I think the invitation is to bring those things that are keeping me away from him. Here's what I mean. I'll just say it for me. Things like my fear. My fear of being good enough or doing enough or achieving enough, my, my fears of what's uncertain about my future or what's uncertain about our future, my fears which kind of unseat my sense of security and identity acceptance onto things that are temporary and don't matter. My fears, they steal my joy and they keep me from God. Just like my sin does. You know what's so interesting about sin and scripture and 
I'm going to say something that should be a whole sermon, but if you don't come back, I understand, okay? <laughs> sin doesn't keep God away from me. Sin keeps me away from God. Think about it. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve, they sinned, God still came walking looking for them. He wasn't the one who hid. They were. And that's because their sin hurt them. And my sin hurts me. And my sin holds me back. And my sin holds me down. And God sent Jesus to take away my sin because it keeps me from him. But not just my fear, not just my sin can, be, can keep me from God. And really, like I said, keep me from joy. But even my pain. It's interesting if I'm honest, and maybe if you're honest with yourself, I can, and I have used my loneliness, my depression, my frustration, my hurt. I've used my cynicism to keep me away from God, to keep me from pressing into God. It's like those things become a reason why I'm not going to draw near. I mean, I, I had a, a pain and, and a frustration in my life when it came to my grandfather for the things he had done and the things he had done to hurt me and our family very deeply. And there was so much anger and so much frustration that while it was, it was not necessarily on the surface, the truth is I masked it all with my sarcasm and my cynicism. Anybody? I masked it all there. But there was something underneath that was unsettling for me, and it was keeping me. It was stealing my joy. It was keeping me from experiencing joy in other relationships in my life. It was keeping me from getting close to God, from really being willing to listen to God. Even after I became a Jesus follower and I began pursuing him, there was these spaces in my life, like my relationship with my grandfather and the, my, my, my experience with that, where that was off limits. Like, God, you can speak over here, but this is done. This has, been, this has happened. This is off limits. And truly, not only did that keep me away from God, not only did that keep me away from joy, that actually kept me from my calling. Because you may not know, but my grandfather was a pastor at one time. But because of the way he lived his life and because of the decisions he made and the ways that he had hurt us, I just decided, I would say it out loud, I will never be like that man. I will never work in a church. I will never and I let my pain and my anger keep me away. And, and I'll even say this. God is so good. Because God, God still spoke and God still drew me in and God still called me and I, I, I still I was working in a church I, I was I had started school I started pursuing I, I did feel the call I, God did give me that and I took some steps of faith but ultimately ultimately can I tell you something there was 
a moment in my life when I had to come and draw near to God. I wasn't fixed. I hadn't figured it out, but I drew near to God with all of my anger and frustration when it came to my grandfather. And it was when I did that that there God began to heal and to restore and to redeem and to refresh and to speak new life. It was there that God took a place that was pain and he made it a well of joy. It's there when that calling to serve you and to care for you and to care about this community and to care about our city. It's there where God was able to revive that. So it wasn't done out of impure motives or it wasn't done just to make me great or make me look great, but it was really when I brought those things close to God, that's when he drew near to me and he began to teach me what his joy could be in me. That's where I discovered that God is with me. That Jesus came for me. And I'm telling you, Jesus came for you. And he came so that you could bring all of your pain and all of your wounds and all of your uh, scars and all of your frustration, all of your sin. You could bring it all to the cross. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to stop your tears. You don't have to worry about that. You just are called to bring it. Draw near. Come on, draw near. Come on, draw near, draw near. And he will. He will draw near to you. And in that space, you're exchanging something that's heavy and dirty. And I'm telling you, God wants to birth something brand new in you like light and life and peace and real, pure, outlasting, more than a feeling, internal state of being joy. And so maybe for Christmas, maybe for the next few weeks, the invitation of God for you is just to get close, to, to not try to run away from those feelings, but to bring them near, to bring all of your heart near and allow God to draw near to you. Is that good? That's good, but I need to say one more. Is it okay? Because when it comes to being with God and experiencing a joy, it's a, it's a matter of proximity, but it's also a matter of priority priority and if we're honest we we just we have to ask ourselves what's what's my priority what's getting my attention what's the voice i'm listening to most what's getting my time what's getting my calendar what's dictating my pace and i'm not sharing these as questions of condemnation I'm the first one to admit that as soon as things get busy in my life, the first thing to go is my focused time with God. Just real. But God doesn't want something from us, but he knows that he knows that if we will put him first. In fact, this is what Jesus promised. It's a promise. It's an invitation. It's, it's not a warning. It's something good that he wants you to taste and experience and to know that if you would seek first, if you would seek 
first the kingdom of God. That, that's the way of God. That's how he works. That's how he moves. Put this scripture up. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness, man, is so laid in for us. It's so heavy. But really, righteousness is just the way you were made to live. If you will seek the life he made for you, if you will seek his kingdom the way he wants you to, you are created, you are designed to be. Seek that first. Here's his promise. All those things, all of that peace, all of that life, all of that joy that your soul is so hungry for, that you can't manufacture, that I cannot manufacture, all of that will be added to you. When? Here and now. Because Jesus' promise, he did not come just to point to a heaven one day, but to bring heaven here on earth. And what did he say? Draw near for heaven is here. Come on. For some of you, this is the invitation today. It's just to make Jesus first. That for the next 23, 24, 22 days, whatever it is, just to, to take a step of making Jesus first. Because again, what if? What if this kind of joy is real? What if this kind of joy is available? Then why wouldn't you do anything and everything? Why wouldn't you do anything and everything to say yes to him? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.